Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. I'm so glad you joined us today as we uh, make the effort again to connect the Lordship of Jesus Christ with all of our lives. And uh, we have an exciting, this podcast comes ramping up to an exciting weekend. I was sharing with our church family on Sunday how uh, glad I am when certain holidays actually land on Sunday because, you know, of course the word holiday comes from the phrase holy day. And um, these are days that we set aside and say, hey, that something significant, uh, uh, something of great importance is happening on this particular day, and we're yeah. going to pause and, and recognize, of course, all of our holidays are not holy days in America. We've de dedicated a lot of uh, holidays that aren't necessarily uh, holy in and of themselves. But, uh, but I think when it comes to the 4th of July, um, there's a lot we can pause to think about and to celebrate, and a yeah. lot that goes back to our our faith in Christ and to the principles, you know, in the scripture. So yeah. I'm excited for Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I really think, think how the purpose of holiday, is, well, these these memorial days, well, it's not the memorial day, right, but right. the purpose to, to remember, to, to remember, to remember why, who we are as a nation, why do we celebrate it, to tell our kids, hey, don't forget about this, don't forget the sacrifices people have made yeah. for you. Because these kids have no clue. They just think, oh, we have a day off from school. So we got to tell them why we celebrate it. You absolutely, know? absolutely. And that's that, that's that education you talked about, uh, handing the baton from one generation to the next, making yeah. sure we don't, we don't fail to lose the why. And yeah. you brought out a good point. Not only the sacrifice, but one of the things I'm gonna talk about on Sunday is where on planet Earth, and this is my, my challenge again against that minimalistic gospel, right? Mm. Where on planet Earth are our kids going to make the connection between biblical truth and the freedom that we enjoy if we're not doing that in church, especially on an opportunity? Like for me, on Sunday, on the 4th of July, to have an opportunity to speak about America and American exceptionalism, what makes America unique? You know, we've, we've been under the same constitution the same Bill of Rights for well over 200 years now. That is highly unusual. Most yeah. most nations in the world experience all kinds of turmoil and revolutions and, and new constitutions and overthrows of government. We've enjoyed stability and peace and blessing and prosperity in this country now for, for well over 200 years. Um, and... Um, Again, why? There's a, there's a why behind all this. You know, we we just don't assume that these things happen right. accidentally because it's not the pattern of of nations in, in history. So, I, I I look forward, you know, and of course at Living Stones we have we have preached a what we call a um, Freedom Sunday message now for probably about 20 years. I've used this opportunity to really speak truth about our freedoms, where they came from, why they're so important. And, uh, and we're going to do that again this Sunday. In fact, we're going to talk about religious liberty. Yeah. And uh, that's a hot topic because I made a pretty bold statement last Sunday. I said, you know, I've never, uh, as long as I have been alive, I've never seen a more blatant attack on our fundamental uh, unalienable rights than we are currently witnessing in America right now. Uh, and that's a pretty bold statement, but I hope to to make a case for that on Sunday. And then even, you know, today we're gonna to get into what I believe are some reasons why we're experiencing, uh, you know, these attacks on religious liberty. Yeah. So the the message Sunday is gonna be an ongo our ongoing fight for religious liberty. Yeah. And um, and I'm excited about it. I, I love your title, it's called Our Ongoing Fight. Yeah. Because you recognize that there's an ongoing war. There's an ongoing yeah. undercurrent. Which kind of gets to our first point. We talked about <laughs> spiritual pacifism. You know, right. it, we lose our liberties when we think that somehow we're, the, the battle's over. Yeah. And, you know, these these liberties we have, we have got to be vigilant. You know, there's a yeah. huge price paid to secure our freedom. And if we think we're going to enjoy those freedoms without vigilance and without ongoing battles, um, you know, we're, we're fooling ourselves. Uh, I was... I was working out today. I was listening to a different book, uh, "Waken the Dead" by oh, John yeah. Eldridge, yeah, and I and I heard a lot about it, good stuff. So I, you know, I started listening to it, and, and it talks about the undercurrent of battle uh, that's impertinent, that's an integral to Christianity that we largely ignore. You know, yeah. um, there there is an enemy who's trying to kill us in the spiritual world, and the, and and our life is if we live our life without understanding the battle, we will be very confused. Yeah. Okay, and that's that's the Christian world. But again, that battle. Um, 
spills out into other sectors of life and all arenas of life. I think for us, you know, to live in liberty, to live in freedom, we need to understand there's an undercurrent always attacking, attacking, trying to diminish that. If we yeah. don't understand that, we'll be very confused. Yeah, and, that, and that's probably a, 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 a an additional uh, podcast that we could spend on that, but I want yeah. to pause there with you because yeah. this is so good. You know, we have this view today um, in, a, in the secular crowd. It's, it's a push toward globalism. It's the belief that we can all get together, we can all get along, we can all live happily, kind of over, under the co coexist, you know, yeah. bumper sticker, uh, the flag, that'll be the new flag of the one world globalistic yeah. government. Uh, but it's really a pipe dream because uh, it ignores the incredible differences that we that we have, legitimate differences, and it ignores the spiritual warfare and the understanding, as you pointed out, of evil, of sin, and of the ongoing battle uh, for planet Earth and for people's souls. Yeah. The Christianity actually paints a, a uh, accurate worldview picture of that. You know, I think back of when Ronald Reagan called the Soviet Union the evil empire, uh, because again, it was communism, it was uh, uh, hundreds of millions of lives that were lost uh, yeah. under that banner of, of atheistic communism. And, and Reagan used a, a, a value-laden term. I yeah. mean, he called it evil. Well, all the liberals freaked out because in their worldview, evil really doesn't exist, right? It's just, um, it's just you know, it's people that need to be given diversity training and, you know, <laughs> right. and again, handed Educate a lollipop. Yeah, right, re-educated. Yeah. Uh, of course, re-education camps are, are things that communists employ. <laughs> it's not part of our Christian yeah. worldview. But, but you're exactly right. If we don't have a, a, an understanding that each generation has to fight for liberty, yeah. And that that battle is really a daily battle, and it happens in a bunch of millions of compromises that happen slowly over time. And before you realize it, man, you're way downstream yeah. of, of where you used to be. And I think that's where we find ourselves now in America. Oh, that's good. So let's review a little bit. We've been talking about the five barriers uh, to Christian cultural engagement. Of course, we're committed to Christian cultural engagement. We believe the church should be very involved in every aspect of life because as this podcast talks about, we are dedicated to uh, bringing uh, lordship to life, meaning Jesus Christ is Lord, and that means he's Lord of all things. And so we talked about spiritual pacifism, uh, and let's just review a little bit. Yeah. Spirit, what is spiritual pacifism? Yeah, it's kind of what we just talked about, yeah. basically, is you feel like our Christian discipleship walk is a love boat. Kumbaya. And, and there should be no opposition. And our greatest concern, our number one priority is to make sure no one's feelings are hurt. No yeah. one's hurt. We're the nice church. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we just, uh, we want to be positive, warm, fuzzy. Yeah. And, but we figured out, you know, truth, truth draws a line. Like There's device. a plumb yeah. line. And, yeah. and sometimes the loving thing to do is to stand for truth. And that's not always popular or always yeah. warm and fuzzy. But yeah. uh, so there's going to be inherent conflict. And, and if you're looking just to disengage and be the nice church where everybody's happy all the time and you're never at odds with the surrounding culture, uh, you're not going to be faithful to the gospel. You'll be a, you'll be a Christian pacifist and, uh, yeah. and you'll become largely irrelevant to the uh, ongoing struggle. So well, that's good. Second point. A gospel minimalism. Gospel minimalism. Yeah. What, mm -hmm. what did we say that? We're reducing basically the gospel to just event, uh, just salvation. We're trying to get people saved so they can go to heaven, and that's pretty much it. And, or the and gospel, it, the kingdom. Yeah. And as we said, man, that's that's essential. Yeah. That's the starting point. That's home plate. But when we get to first base and second base, third base, we're really talking about the gospel of the kingdom, yeah. which mean which is much more comprehensive, much much broader in scope. Uh, and again, for the church to be relevant, we cannot minimalize our message to a next life uh, only. You know, you get Jesus in your heart so you can live forever. We we need to. We need to preach the gospel of the kingdom and declare Jesus' lordship, teaching the nations to obey the Lord in all things, uh, which is what the Great Commission suggests. So That's that right. was number two. Number three was a mouthful. We yeah, said, I'm about to say it. <laughs> <laughs> eschatological escapism. Of course, when we talk about eschatology, we're talking about the last days or study yeah. of the last things. Uh, so we get into end times and your view of the end times. And, you know, we were just saying that that historically the church has always been a place of hope 
a place of confidence, a place of truth, a place where we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ's people, in the church, was powerful enough to overcome every obstacle to the gospel. Yeah. And basically, it was a victorious eschatology. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be saved or, or uh, that type of notion, but it does mean that the, the church's influence in culture is going to be powerful and strong until Jesus comes. And many people today just have this uh, escapist you know, view that just says, you know, it's going to get, it's pessimistic. Right. Uh, it's going to get worse and worse and worse, darker, darker, darker. Right. And, uh, and we're just going to be holding on by our fingertips, you know, right. uh, by a thread, uh, hoping that Jesus comes to rescue us. And so if you're a church or you're a believer who's just waiting to be rescued and you're every day, you just know things are going to get worse, um, you're going to have a problem uh, bringing salt and bringing light to the surrounding culture right. because you, you have a, an escapist view. You're just hiding out. Yeah, it's a it's the difference between like you see an advancing army. Do you hide in a bunker or do you plan? Do you prepare? Do you get your army? Do you start training your people and you get ready to win the war? You know, Absolutely. that's a two completely different mentality, right? Are you going to roll over and wait to die, or are yeah. you going to are you going to grab your sword and fight uh, and and give your and very train best? and prepare and educate and, and create armies and systems and processes so we can win? Win. Yeah, we were just saying, you know, if you have an escapist mentality and, and you just think there's no reason to try or to do anything, yeah, we'll you're not going to be very visionary. And yeah. and we talked about the catastrophic results for the next generation. No young person wants to be told that hey, join our movement. Uh, uh, we're going to lose, and uh, things are going to get worse, and uh, you might as well just not try and uh, don't have any dreams or visions for your life, and don't certainly don't try to reform culture because right. it's just going to get it's worse. pointless and, anyway, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. literally, so many. how many churches do we know of that are struggling to reach young people, and perhaps this is part of the reason why. If you don't have a compelling, exciting vision of Jesus and the church and a victorious church, uh you're not giving young people much to live for. Yeah. Uh, and so, again, we, we feel like these are errors, pacifism, minimalism, escapism. This is not who the church is. We have a, a bold gospel that confronts the world and brings transformation to the world. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, Which leads us, you know, to, to our point today. And I want to make a connection. You know, I said Sunday we're going to be talking about our ongoing you know, battle for religious liberty. And uh, there are two things I think that we're facing as Americans right now. Number one is the uh, increasing secularization of mm -hmm. our culture. More and more people, even in the church, uh, are, are, have fallen prey to what we're going to talk about today. So we have a growing secularized culture. Many people are, are, are referred to as nuns, not N-U-N, not like Catholic nuns, but nuns meaning they don't claim any faith. They don't claim any identification with any party or with any religion. Mm. And uh, so we have this growing group of nuns uh, in our culture today and a growing hostility, not just a, well, I'm not religious kind of thing, but right. a growing hostility toward anybody who's a person of faith. Yeah. So, and I think we're all feeling that, uh, almost an anger, a hatred, like a vitriol toward toward uh, Christians. And then on the second hand, we're, we're also facing a privatization mm -hmm. of our faith. In other words, some people are like, well, that's nice that you believe all that Bible stuff. Uh, <laughs> just keep it to yourself. Yeah. Uh, and so as soon as we start trying to bring the gospel to culture, it's like the kid reaching to put his hand in the cookie jar and somebody slaps it. That's what our secularized culture does today to Christians. As soon as we try to get out of the box, which is the church, yeah. as soon as we try to get out of the box, someone's slapping our hands saying, hey, you don't belong here. Uh, stay, go back to church you know, where you belong. Uh, and, uh, and so that leads us to this fourth uh, of our five barriers to Christian cultural leadership, which we're calling Christian compartmentalization or compartmentalism. Mm -hmm. um, it is the putting Christ, putting the gospel, putting religion in a box that is uh, uh, hermetically sealed, you know, uh, from the rest of the culture. And um, Well, I like what you said. Let's kind of start with the idea that the attack on Christianity is not direct and blatant, yeah. but it's very seditious. Absolutely. So instead of just blatant going after. Now, I think they're becoming more and more blatant now, yeah. but initially... Because that's the, yeah. that's the slide. Right, it's the slide, right. So initially, the, the attack on Christianity was subtle because, you know, these folks are realizing we just can't go after the church and say, we hate you, Jesus isn't real, right. and forget the Bible. Right. You know, they're, they're not going to hit it head on. Right. 
because the church uh, as a cultural force was much too powerful. So they were very sly and seditious, yeah. as you said. And the way that they did that was to compartmentalize faith. Um, and if you could think of you know, this piece of paper as uh, divided in half as two boxes, all right? Uh, we put the upper box is what they called uh, 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 sacred, and the lower box would be what they would call secular. So you have religious things in the top box, and you have everything else, basically, mm -hmm. that matters to life in the lower box. And what that does is it creates a false dualism that basically says, Jesus, you're in this upper box of religion, but you're not allowed to touch this lower box. Yeah. And the lower box is where all the action's happening, right? Yeah, and, and you speak this with such clarity, but if you think about what they did, instead of attacking you directly, they just, like you, you're, what you said earlier, you just start to neuter it, a little bit, bit by bit, bit by bit, corner into a box, and whenever you come out of the box, they put cultural pressure on you. And yeah. what a brilliant strategy to destroy your enemy. You know, right. so, hey, we, we're not attacking what you believe, right. you know, but it just doesn't belong, belong here. here. Right. It belongs right. up here. And, you're, and we're not in church, and this is not a religious right. setting. So, Yeah, and I, what I would call that is they weaponized the separation of church and state. But you have your notes here, which is I thought was always interesting. Cause I talk to people, and they think separation of church and state is in the Constitution. It's a constitutional doctrine. Yeah, talk talk about that for a minute. I mean, yeah. that phrase is nowhere to be found in our Constitution. No, I, or, when or I was that notion. I talked to a, a friend of mine who's very educated, highly educated, and he, he brought separation of church and state. I said, you know, that's not in the Constitution. It's not. And I'm so surprised that this very highly educated individual does not understand separation of church. Those words are not in the Constitution. Now, the First Amendment is the Constitution, which talks about how the government should not impede religion. It's protecting religion and not the other way around. Right. But the separation of church and state came from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to Danbury Baptist Church in response to this church's uh, fear that the government is going to try to institutionalize some type of national and it, government. And it, and it was the belief that the government would pick a denomination and give yeah. that denomination preference. Kind of like the Anglican Church, Anglican church and right. whatnot, going right. back to the old ways. And of course, the Protestants, based on the Catholic Protestant, all the bloodshed over the yeah. years. So there was obviously a lot of tension in that particular right. point. But the issue was never, this would have been the farthest from our founders' minds, that somehow we were going to separate God from government. Yeah. We, yeah. we had an institutional separation. Obviously, yeah. the role of, of the government, the role of the church, the role of the family, are, are, are separate institutions created by God, right. but but they're not, none of those were intended to be separated from God or outside of God's authority. And Thomas Jefferson's reply has nothing to do with this. So to me, separation of church and state is the most in, in the last. 50 years is the phrase that's most taken out of context, in my opinion. So anyone mentions that, I mean, to me, I mean, I, my eyes lit up. I'm like, whoa, I have a discussion right now to talk about. Do you really understand the context of separation of church and state? No, so, absolutely. So. And like you said, it's been weaponized because as soon as you or I, like let's say we're talking about abortion policy in America. Mm -hmm. As soon as we talk about the sanctity of life, we talk about God's creating life in the womb, any of these types of concepts a secularist will say, excuse me, uh, we're in court or we're in Congress. Yeah. Why are you bringing your personal private right. you know, beliefs to bear here? They don't belong here. That's, that is a false understanding of separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. That's pushing, that's saying that somehow the belief in God as creator, which is, which is an assumption of our founding documents, um, that the understanding of morality, of virtue coming from our religious beliefs, um, that these things are all somehow uh, anathema to, to public life and that we push them into that a private compartment and that they don't belong. I mean, that is a twisted, perverted, secular view of separation of church and state. Again, there's nowhere in our founding documents. It was never in the mind of any of our founding fathers. And I like to remind people who says, hey, you know what, this is the realm of religion. We're in the realm of science. You know, take this out of it. I like to remind people the realm of science is based on a bunch of uh, uh, principles that's found on belief and found on faith. Like the basic understanding of what you see, what you observe is accurate. That's not something you can scientifically prove. That is a belief. So in other words, every scientific principle is found on some type of belief you can't really prove through a scientific method. So everything we have is based on some type of belief. Yes. So for, for them to reject your religious view 
is unfair because they're injecting their philosophical views, which is just as religious as yours. Absolutely. You know, we said the goal of, of the secularists is a naked public square. In other words, they wanted a value-neutral public square yeah. where science and reason and some of these yeah. things. But what they failed, just like you pointed out, what they failed to understand is that that naked public square, as soon as you take Christianity out, it doesn't stay naked very long. You know, when, people say, well, we're, we're going to put our, our faith in science. You know, I heard one of my professors accurately talking about the, the limitations of science, and he said, science tells you what is. You know, this happens, this happens, this is the result. Yeah. That's what is. It cannot tell you what you ought to do. Yeah. It can give you an is, but not an ought. In other right. words, science doesn't, you cannot take a, a result from science and come to an ought. Uh, there's a lot of things that can be right. done and that are or are capable of happening with science, but you cannot take move from science into the realm of values and morals and ethics. That's a whole other realm. Yeah, it does not tell you what's right and what's wrong. That's right. So you're still injecting someone's belief when someone said what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. So there are many people, for instance, like stem cell research and some of these other things where, where uh, uh, we would say they're unethically using um, stem cells from aborted babies and things like this. We would say, wait a minute, just because you can do that doesn't mean you ought to do that. Yeah. Uh, and that's been the realm of religion and, and especially Christianity in providing some boundaries as to how we conduct our business. You know, yeah. That's why we're having a moral crisis and an ethical crisis in every realm, whether it's government corruption. I just saw uh, come out, um, uh, Americans uh, have uh, the, the lowest confidence in the media uh, out of any shocker. nation in the yeah. world. Yeah, shocker. Yeah. Uh, because our wherever the, you lose Christianity and you lose morality, you lose values, you lose ethics, and what you have left is just might and power, yeah. raw power. Yep. And people, uh, unsaved, ungodly people will always use power for their own selfish ends. So, yeah. so this is the problem. But That's let's true. break down a little bit this, what I call the sacred secular myth. In other words, we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That's why we're doing this podcast, right. the right. Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. What's our basic declaration? Jesus is Lord of all. So right. the question is this, is there any realm in society where Jesus is off limits? Mm. Right. It's a great question. Good question, yeah. Uh, so if someone says, well, you can't bring your faith to school, what they're really saying is, well, you need to keep Jesus out of public school. Yeah. Well, but Jesus is Lord of all, so you can't keep Jesus out of public school. Or, or what about in Congress? We've had various uh, uh, politicians who, you know, you talked about this. It's the old, uh, well, that's my personal belief. Right. Talk about that a little bit because well, it you really have, falls into this. You have certain, you know, representatives or Congress senators, whoever, who has a personal religious background. We hear this all the time. So yeah. personally, I'm a Catholic or personally, I I'm believe. I'm against abortion or yeah. whatever. But, but publicly, when I'm sitting here, I got to talk policy and blah, 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 you know? So what I'm basically saying is my faith is yeah. okay when I'm at church, right. but it really I really can't bring my faith here because I don't want to impose yeah. uh, my religion on somebody else. And, but let's talk about that. I mean, every time somebody votes for a bill, it is the imposition of your personal faith on somebody else, else because right. that's what laws do. Yeah. They, they code they code morals. All right? right. They, it, a law says this is the way we ought to behave, or this is the way we ought not behave. Right. Right. So every time you vote for any piece of legislation, guess what? Somebody's morality yeah. is being put into law. So we have to get out of this notion that somehow you can be a private Christian, but a public servant, and that somehow those two things cannot yeah. ever mix. We used to have a term for that when you're one way in private, another way in public. <laughs> it's called hypocrisy. <laughs> and it used to be a bad thing, right? Exactly. But now, now somehow, we've it as we're, a virtue. we're so intellectual, we're so, we're so smart now, we're so you know, developed, evolved, that we have now realized that being a hypocrite is actually functional and is actually a higher level of being, you know? Absolutely. And, <laughs> so. and you brought out a good point. I mean, that's hypocrisy. When you're one way in one arena and another way in another arena, yeah. you're being disingenuous. And, you know, we have nowadays one of the biggest 
virtues right in our culture is like be authentic be the real you yeah. you know well how come is it it's not that way when it comes to values right when right. in fact we're told to privatize that and hide that and suppress <laughs> that yeah it's kind of and, ironic no as pastor's kid and you're a pastor kid yourself you no know, and you have kids you're so you have pastors kids your own kids you know one of the Worst thing we know is for the pastor to act one way in front of his congregation, right? <laughs> and then come home, have different values with his kids, and his kids see that and, and, and basically are traumatized or, or, or really uh, jaded from Christianity. I mean, we understand how deeply that could hurt somebody and distort and really lose credibility. Absolutely. And yet that's the way our federal that's, government and, and state governments are functioning now uh, because of this, this twisted compartmentalization. Yeah. of Christ and the gospel and, and faith in general. Um, I wanted to break this down a little bit yeah. just so our, our listeners could understand. When we talk about the sacred realm, um, that's where you'd put things like God, the yeah. church, the Bible. Um, when you talk about, about Christian belief, that falls, at least in the modern compartmentalization of things, those are considered values. And he's like, oh, Andrew, I appreciate your values. It's true for you, but it's not true for me. Or you hear people say, oh, I'm glad religion works for you. Yeah. Because it is viewed as a personal thing, a private thing. Another good word is subjective. It's like, well, you hold, somehow we've reduced the gospel to a bunch of sub subjective, private, value-laden beliefs mm -hmm. that have no place in the larger culture, uh, the, or we say, well, that's faith, you know, and faith is somehow like believing in the, you know, the tooth fairy, right. um, but that's not our gospel. Our gospel is logical, rational, historical. Uh, it is truth-based, and of course, the, the, the belief of Christians is Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. It's exclusive. This is not something with like believing in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, or the or the fairy godmother here. Um, this is this is objective, rational truth that's that stands the test of truth. In other words, when we declare Jesus as Lord, that's not a personal, private, subjective faith belief I have. That is a belief that we're throwing out there in the realm of the greatest ideas, and we're saying. This belief is time-tested. It is yeah. true with a capital T. It's not just true for me. In fact, it's true for everyone. And there's a judgment day coming uh, that is based on the veracity of this truth, yeah. that, it, that, it stand, that it is objective, verifiable, knowable, uh, and people are going to be held accountable for their rejection of this truth. I mean, that's a serious claim of the gospel. Yeah, and Christians believe in these, this capital truth so much that they're willing to lay down their lives for it. Oh, historically, over and over again. So. And we're talking about Jesus Christ being crucified, an historical event, the resurrection of yeah. Christ, a historical event. I mean, this is not just, uh, again, fairy tale yeah. stuff. So then, so that's where they relegate Christianity, upper upper level, um, God, Bible, belief in religious stuff, yeah. uh, faith, values, personal, subjective, private, all that. Then you got the lower level. Now we have things like facts, mm -hmm. uh, public truth, objective truth. In other words, we can look at it and debate it and come to a conclusion. It's objective based on reason and science. And boy, you hear people trumpeting this all the time uh, in a lot of these debates. Um, you know, even with the last COVID thing, you had all these people, let science lead us, right? Let science lead us. Uh, and people like us that said, hey, come on, God's created an amazing immune system. Um, and uh, we believe in God and we believe uh, in his ability to protect us and these types of things. We were viewed as like Lilliputians, you know, <laughs> like, like, are you people morons? Yeah. And so you got all these people, let science lead the way. Again, uh, based on this two-tiered belief in truth, when we've argued before, again, there would be no science, uh, the belief in orderly, uh, an orderly universe that could be studied based on laws, based on repeatable, verifiable, you know, properties that are embedded in the created realm. Um, that's the foundation of science. You cannot conduct science if you don't operate from a Christian worldview, which is why America has led the way uh, on all these amazing scientific breakthroughs. It's not because Americans are smarter, it's because our worldview fits reality better than other worldviews. And it actually gives the, creates the fertile ground for uh, doing science in the first place. Yeah. So we're not anti-science, but to somehow put God who created the foundation for science, put him in a box, and put Christians and all the followers of God in that box 
Here's the tragic result. It, it produces a gospel that is impotent and absolutely irrelevant. Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to throw another nugget in, in that. You know, I've long shared that what we think is science is not without bias. Okay. Science, what we think of science, I'm not talking about the scientific method. I'm talking about what's presented in the media and, and the charts and the graphs. I've been in that world. I have manipulated things to make my chart lo look a little better because I just want to graduate and get my thesis. <laughs> and... and um, and just understanding, people have such biases, and science is filtered through people. If anything, the whole COVID crisis shows that how biased science is. Because you have one scientist come out and share something, because another scientist who says nothing, censor, boom, boom. All of a sudden, their data, their research is not worth it because it doesn't fit the narrative. Well, science is never settled, right? Yeah. yeah. In other words, the, the very nature of science is to question, question, it's question. question. Yep. Alternative Repeat. hypotheses. Yep. Uh, always pursue. And here's what you're pursuing truth with a capital T. Um, that's not happening. So we yeah. talked about this, whether it's with COVID, the, the right. pandemic, and what the science is, or whether it's with global warming slash climate change, you never hear uh, oppositional studies. You never hear anybody pushing back saying, wait a minute, yeah. because um, it's all science, science, or I call it scientism. It's, it's really the worship of science. Yeah. Uh, that starts and nowadays from a, from an atheistic assumption. So we are we're already anti God uh, as we approach science because somehow God doesn't fit the equation, right? right. So uh, you're exactly right. It's going to be science that's used to support somebody else's agenda. It's it's convenient science. Yeah, you you can manipulate data to look the way you want. So my whole point is again, I'm not throwing the whole scientific method under the bus. I mean, I'm a big fan of it. My point is, don't throw science in our faces saying you guys are anti-science. I'm saying your science is tainted with so much bias, okay? To have a really true conversation about this discussion means that we're not doing censoring anyone. We're having open discussion yeah. and we, we are rarely getting that in our culture today. So the word science is layer of all kinds of meanings right now. So that's all I'm saying. So, so we get back yeah. and you're, and you're exactly right. We get back though to the implications and here's what I want to hit on. Yeah. If what we're telling young people is, you know, Hey, you know, Jesus is all about the heart, but yeah. our heads are all secular. Yeah. Like, so we can talk about heart issues at church, but as soon as you leave church, mm -hmm. now you're in the realm of uh, the secular realm, yeah. not the sacred the realm. The real world. The real world. Where you make money. Yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah money, like how you Career, live. yeah. And Doesn't I'm just telling sense. you, this frustrates me with, with so many churches and so many pastors. For instance, we'll talk about abortion. I've had pastors who say, well, you know what, that we don't deal with that at church. That's a, that's a political issue. You know, that's not our lane. And, and I'm like, do you not care that the culture is becoming toxic and that we're allowing murder to happen in our neighborhoods? Uh, and that the, and we think somehow there's not going to be a, a, an implication for that, a, a, a consequence of that? Or now we got all this gender confusion, right? Um because we simply are rebelling against God's design of male and female. Now, talk about bad science. I mean, you have male chromosomes. Everything about you is male. Mm -hmm. That's how God wired you. And if you think that your mind somehow doesn't correspond to your body and you think that you're a woman, that's not science. That That's confusion. I mean, that, that goes against science. But somehow, if we're not going to challenge that in the church— because that's not our lane, yeah. or we're or we're not going to challenge same-sex marriage, or we're not going to challenge a host of other egregious anti, by the way, anti-science, anti-truth uh, conjectures. Um, to somehow think that that's not going to le lead to the uh, toxicity, growing toxicity in our culture, and that our young people are not going to be impacted by this, it, it just amazes me. Uh, again, I've heard I, even just as recently as Sunday, I just barely touched on things that you know, have to do with liberty. Mm -hmm. And there were some new people I, I heard that were talking, they were saying, you know, we're just not used to hearing politics talked about in church. You know, politics deals with our corporate community life together. We're part of that community. Why in the world would you think that you come to church and that somehow Jesus has nothing to say about our common life yeah. together? Yeah. Of course he has a lot to say about that. In fact, if we if we leave what Jesus has to say out of our common life, 
we're not going to experience very much common life that's healthy or good or virtuous. So it's shocking. But but here again, I want to I want to connect the dots. Why has the church become so narrow in our message? It's because of this compartmentalization of the gospel. We think that all we do is talk about Jesus and salvation, and and much of our faith has become personal, private, pietistic. And and I've even heard Christians say, well, yeah, personally, you know, we believe that such and such is wrong, but hey, who are we to impose our view on the larger culture, many of whom don't share our beliefs? Here's the reality. Somebody's view is being imposed on the larger culture every day. When we impose the gospel, I use the word impose in in, uh, quotes because we're not imposing anything. We're actually arguing, we're debating, we're voting, we're we're using all the democratic processes that have been put in place. So nobody's imposing forcefully anybody's belief. It goes through a process. But here's, here's what the challenge should be. Are we really communicating the winsomeness, the goodness, the blessing that comes to all people, not just Christians, but all people, when the gospel is codified, so to sense, into laws. In other words, when we obey what God says and we believe that God is true and we put in practice those beliefs, everybody wins. Every culture gets elevated. There are no losers unless you're embracing wickedness and sin and perversion, uh, yeah. and then you're already losing because those lifestyles do not produce a good result. I would venture and suggest that a lot of, a lot of times the reason Christians, people who, who claim to be Christians, are not... Uh, in this battle about imposing or simply expressing your kingdom, your 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 biblical worldview is simply because they don't buy it. They don't truly believe that if Jesus reigns in education, it will elevate education. Maybe they never experienced it. Maybe they've been taught that 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 doesn't elevate. They don't understand that the kingdom, the the gospel comes into the marketplace that it will elevate it. They don't. They haven't experienced it. They haven't. They don't buy You're it. Right. They, they think they kind of understand it a little bit, but they don't in their heart really get it. So when he gets to those realms, they retreat. Yeah, because they have ne- they've never they've never been discipled in their local churches yeah. in the larger arena, understanding that Jesus is Lord of everything. Yeah. So what does Jesus have to say about education? What does Jesus and the Bible have, have to say to about offer. liberty? Yeah. And this is, you know this frustrates me as well too. I, you know, they, I'm frustrated a lot. <laughs> But but you you know uh, especially during the last election cycle you know um, if Christians are excited about America or about the American dream or American ideals or the Constitution or freedom or liberty or all these things a land of the free home of the brave a nation conceived in liberty I mean we have such an incredible and unique uh, nation that should be celebrated and the reason the church should be celebrating it is because these ideas again came from the Bible. Yeah. So the idea to celebrate your nation and to work towards her good and to, to even though your, your past is not perfect, to celebrate the fact that you've been a leader in liberty, a leader uh, in freedom, a leader uh, in prosperity and blessing, uh, the, not just our nation, but the nations of the world, um, to somehow that that is a conflated view that we're somehow mixing Christianity and nationalism. It's almost put on the level of what happened uh, to the church during, uh, you know, the Nazi rise to power. You know, oh, yeah. the church was criticized because they came under uh, national socialism, the Nazis, you know, a political scheme. Well, that's a great example of the church being seduced. But but national socialism and and the American way are miles apart. Uh, there's they're not, nothing close. And so to suggest that somehow you know, we're worshiping a party or we're worship, worshiping politics and somehow we're, we're, we're ruining the gospel. I think it's nonsense. We should be the most patriotic people in America. Christians love our country, working towards our country. Why? Because our country was founded on biblical truth and values. There's no place like it. And I would argue that uh, if we don't start getting engaged and we don't blow up the compartments, you know, I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, the gospel is like a caged lion. It does not need to be defended. It just needs to be let out of his cage. And, you know, the cage is the this sacred, secular, false compartment. Mm-hmm. We have created a false compartment. We put the gospel, Jesus, in that compartment. That's the cage. And it's not about defending the gospel, as Spurgeon says. It's about letting the gospel out. Um, and I just want to say this to you. Pastors have been reduced. We talked about this, gospel minimalists. 
pastors have been reduced to professional chicken blessers, largely because we have given away all these other arenas to the experts, to the secularists. We've allowed Jesus to, to be forced into retirement and put into this tiny little cage called the church. We actually have the greatest position of influence of anyone because we are not uh, focused on one particular thing. Our focus is on all of life. (laughs) Pastors should be speaking to education. Pastors should be speaking to government. Pastors should be speaking to law. Pastors should be speaking to everything because Jesus is Lord of everything. So we should be the community leaders. We should be the thought leaders. We should be speaking boldly into all those arenas uh, because that is the that is the purview of the gospel. That's the authority of Jesus, and we represent Jesus. The church represents Christ in the earth. And I, our message today is just don't fall for this fake compartmentalization, this this dualism that somehow suggests that Jesus has to be kept in the privacy of your mind and the and the intimacy of your heart and the four walls of your church. All of these are false compartments. So I'm saying to Christian young people, speak boldly about your faith at school. Uh, Jesus belongs at school. To Christian lawyers, speak about Christ in the in the courtroom. Jesus belongs in the courtroom. Yeah. To Christian scientists, you should celebrate every time you discover uh, a law or every time you put two chemicals together and you get the same reaction. That means there's a God of order and a God of wisdom and a God who's embedded laws into the universe. I mean, Every arena, we should be boldly declaring the lordship of Jesus and not retreating into our Christian ghettos uh, where somehow we've allowed the gospel to become impotent and irrelevant. And I just got to say this. I've been saying a lot, but I got to say this. (laughs) When young people are told that Jesus only applies at Sunday school and that the rest of their life he's irrelevant. You wonder why we're losing our teenagers. We wonder why they they go, "Yeah, you know what? You know, sure. I don't know that I'm all up on that church stuff." Why is that? Because we have we have taught them by our actions and by our compartmentalization. We have taught them yeah. that really what happens on Sunday is meaningless to the rest of their lives, to their career path, to everything else about who they are. It's irrelevant. It's impotent. It's, it doesn't matter. And, uh, and then we wonder why they go, hmm, this doesn't make sense to me. I, I want to I live a life of meaning. I want to live a life of purpose. I, wa- I want to pursue things that really matter. And if the gospel doesn't transition over into everything else, we're setting them up for defeat and failure. And, and then we wonder why there's a mass exodus from our churches. So that's what, that's what really burdens my heart. No, I... Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm with a hundred thousand percent. I, mean, I grew up in church cultures in which, you know, we talk to church talk, but when it's the really important decisions, like what school you go to and what job you take, it's like, nah, no one talks to the pastors, no one prays about it. It's just kind of like, we'll take whatever. It, it, you might even preach it, but if you don't actually live it, your kids, your younger generation recognize that, and they want to. They want. They want their life to have meaning. They want to have a, a, a territory, a, ter- a, a real authority. And when they say the gospel doesn't have any of that, why should I align myself with the gospel? Absolutely, absolutely. There's nothing. There's nothing attractive. See, that's why I love these, these principles all tied together. They They're do. not independent. When you miss one, you miss out another one. I just got a real quick point. You know, like you talk about how in the last election cycle, how how people accuse the church, some of the people in the church aligning with nationalism, whatever, you know, like, and then and the, uh, the, the accusation goes the other way too, to, uh, to, the, to the, all the woke churches says, are you guys been codified or under whatever, seduced into whatever realm? We can we can go all day with all that. The point is the, king, the, the church allegiance to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Yes. And, and it's principle-based. So which of these principles most align? It's the principle of liberty and religious freedom and, and protecting the innocence and honesty and, and all those principles align. We're not qualified to anything. We're not. We're not. We're not seduced into anything. We are about God's kingdom. Absolutely. And within God's kingdom, we look at the principles and we see which party aligns more of our principles. So, so when it comes to political engagement, we have we have for all practical purposes a two party system. Yeah. Okay. Now this sm- smaller part, but anyway, on a national scale, we've not ever seen any of those parties, you know, put into power on a yeah. large level. So we have a two party system. Both parties need reform. Sure. And either party represents the gospel. 
But when you look at party platforms, you have to bring the scripture, the kingdom, and you have to put that as a yeah. template over that party platform and over this party platform. And, and then you have to make decisions and you're going to vote for somebody. And what we've seen is a growing polarization between those two parties and what they stand for. And when you look at scripture and you put scripture over party platforms, um, you know, you, you begin to get very narrow in your options. Yeah. And it's not that you're getting behind this candidate and you think that candidate's yeah. the Messiah or the government's going to save us. Th those are all forms of idolatry that the church should not be, obviously, right. embracing. We, we're not, we should not be looking to politics or politicians to save America. That's the role of the church. That's the role of Jesus Christ. So we don't want to make a false idol out of politics, but the other side is just as worse, to completely retreat and to, and to somehow think that, Speaking out on the issues or getting behind a candidate or standing up for certain policies, even from the pulpit, is somehow you know, doing irreparable damage to evangelicalism. I heard all kinds of ridiculous stuff this last cycle. It, it, it is really a posture of disengagement and a posture of impotence and irrelevance, and you do it all in the name of keeping the gospel pure, but you're creating a gospel that's purely pathetic. But, but you're going, what again, what is the gospel? See, it goes back to that same question we talked about. What is the gospel? The gospel is simply getting as many people saved. Don't hurt anyone's feelings. Just go to heaven. That's it. Or is it a gospel of engagement, of his kingdom, right. of taking the realm? So, again, that goes back to the other question we asked earlier. So when we talk with people, if you have different definitions of the gospel, you're going to have you're gonna have an interesting conversation. You're never going to get to the same point. That's why we have to go back to those other points. And so say, how about a good – let's end with a great yeah, we definition. Got, we gotta, yeah, we got to I love this quote from J.P. Moreland uh, from a great book I'd encourage you to pick up called Love God with All Your Mind. He says the lordship of Christ is holistic. In other words, no compartments. The religious life is not a special compartment in an otherwise secular life. Rather, the religious life, or we might call the Christian worldview, is an entire way of life. To live Christianly, and he used that as a good old adjective there. In other <laughs> words, to live a Christian life, a Christ-centered life, is to allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of every single aspect of my life. There's no room for a sacred-secular separation in the life of Jesus' followers. That's good. Now, let me just say this. Because we've allowed so much deterioration over time, and we're in a really bad place right now where the church is completely uh, compartmentalized. It used to be that, that secularists said, you guys stay in your own little compartment and mind your own business. Now what we're watching is the, church, or is the state, a secular, a growing secularized state, encroaching in the realm of the church, where they told us to mind our own business, right? You guys just keep your, do what you do in the church. Now they're coming into the church uh, to a larger degree and impacting a lot of church decisions. And of course, uh, we're going to get into that in future episodes. But, um, but we're, we're, if you step out now and you start saying, look, I'm a Christian, and when I come to the public school, I'm still a Christian. When I come to law, I'm a Christian. When I live in the marketplace, I'm a Christian. Jesus is still Lord of my life, no matter what arena I'm in. You're going to face a massive uh, pushback. It might mean you're you're uh, canceled, meaning you lose your job. It might mean you're blacklisted. You're not going to get promoted. Um, you're ridiculed. You lose respect. Uh, whatever it is, you're not going to be tenured in your in your track uh, as a professor. Whatever. So some people choose pacifism mm -hmm. because pacifism is easier than dying on the on that battlefield. And so some people are just like, you know, I'm going to just be quiet. I'm going to mind my own business because, you know, I'm only three years from retirement. I mean, these are real challenges. I sure. mean, I get it. Sure. There's there's going to be a cost, especially now, because we're going to have to reclaim lost ground. And, and reclaiming ground that's been lost is always more painful, yeah. more tedious uh, than simply standing in, uh, in the liberty that you've already been given. So we, we have a lot of work to be done. Uh, but but again, I believe in the power of the gospel to win, and we have an optimistic view of the future. We're not, we're not escapists. Uh, we're excited yeah. about the possibility of what Christ and revival and awakening can bring. Yeah, and, and I used to feel like, yeah, you, you know, you, in those cases, you just got to take one for the team, be a martyr. But 
more and more I'm realizing if you are lying about God's kingdom, you're about God's business, he's going to give you away. He's going to give you words to speak. He's going to give you favor. He's going to give you anointing. But the key is, are you dependent on the Holy Spirit or are you dependent on your own ability to make things happen? That's good. And I think now you touched on something completely different. What The series we've been talking about, about walking in the whole, in the supernatural because you're relying on God's business. But are you on mission with the Lord? So a lot of times we think being on mission means you got to go all the side of the world. How about being on mission to walk into your job and your marketplace and say, I'm going to live kingdom. That might mean I might lose some profit. I might lose some customers, whatever that means. But I'm going to walk with the kingdom because the customers are not my provider. My boss is not my provider. God's my provider. Right. My so, job is not my provider, yeah. as you said. And God is the source of all yeah. that we have. So that's why a couple of things. That's why I'm excited about all of this finding expression here at Living Stones because yeah. we're working on the marketplace. Yeah. We're involved in government. Uh, we, we want to see the, the expansion of the reach of the gospel go to every arena. Uh, we're obviously involved in, in reaching unreached nations that, with the gospel, evangelism, and uh, Roar schools all over all, in, in nations, especially unreached nations, to help yep. train and equip the church. Yep. But I think an important part of training and equipping the church, again, is to preach and teach them the gospel of the kingdom yep. um, so that their, their country, their culture, could be transformed and experience the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. Yep. So uh, this Sunday is going to be fun, and we're encouraging everybody wear red white and blue uh let's be excited americans we love our country and it's not perfect but we're going to work towards bringing gospel truth yeah. to every arena and the more that happens the, the more virtuous we become as a people the more blessed we are and the more good we can do for everyone justice and truth uh, are, are things that are foundations uh, of any healthy nation. But, uh, what is it? Happy are the people. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And so we want to see Christ exalted in our nation, and the church is a big part of making that happen. So come on out this Sunday. It's going to be an incredible time of celebration as we celebrate the birth of our nation, the birthday of our nation, uh, the 4th of July at Living Stones um, this coming week. So any final words no, from your heart? All the time we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in. We would uh, continue to ask if you enjoy this and you find it helpful that you uh, spread this far and wide encourage people to sign up for uh, via email uh, so that they get the notification of these podcasts via yep. email each week and uh, and that helps us get the message out so Lord we just declare that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord we want you to be Lord of our lives personally and we want you to be Lord of this great nation America Lord so give us revival give us awakening God we thank you for your mercy and we pray that the, the darkness and the strongholds that are present even now God that you would use your people to bring these strongholds down so that the blessing from your heart and your hand could flow through this nation once again. God, bring healing, bring restoration, and give us wisdom, Lord, as a church to know how to blow up these compartments so that the full gospel, the powerful gospel, the the, the nation-healing gospel of the kingdom uh, can go far and wide. We love you and we thank you for this privilege in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have an incredible week. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And if you're far from us, we pray that you have just a great 4th of July celebration. Jesus Christ is Lord of America. Amen.